lovely humans or earthworms. Welcome to the Earthworm Slumber Party, where we explore big ideas playfully. My name is Nisha Modi. I am a feminist healing coach and a speaker. And my name is Opulence Abundance, and I am a facilitator, conflict navigator, and speaker. Yay! So since we are magically transformed into earthworms now, we are going to talk about what we are composting. Um, So I'll start. I am actually composting COVID. I just had COVID, and I am right now going to put a cough drop in my mouth. Oh, my gosh. Because, yeah, um, maybe you might notice that I sound a little different. I'm a little more nasally, and I have this cough. So I'm just continuing to compost this ahead for um, about, a, I would say, a week was the worst of it. And I don't know, it really just made me reflect about not just my health, but like global health on a different level in terms of the politics of it and care as well, like how we're caring for ourselves and how we're caring for other people. Um, I mean, it's something I've been thinking about since, you know, the beginning of the pandemic, but now that it actually hit me for the first time and, you know, over almost three years, you know, it, it just feels a little different. It feels more personal, but also interpersonal. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Nisha, and definitely hope you get better. Sending a lot of love to everyone impacted by COVID, including myself. Mm. This has been a really brutal three years, and sometimes I forget how much our world changed. Um, but yeah, when you share that, I really think about how you are really an earthworm right now. Because <laughs> earthworms, I know, like actually ingest like the material that they're composting um, like the soil or the rotting mm. food, whatever it is. And then they like literally poop it out and it's fertile. Mm. And like even their castings, like the parts of their body they're shedding are extremely fertile soil. And so it's like you actually took COVID into your body and it sounds like you have a deeper understanding of it now. Yeah. I mean, shit makes things fertile. I mean, that is a fact. <sighs> <laughs> Isn't that wild? It is. It is. Um, and I really resonate because what I am composting is I'm forever working through perfectionism. It's just such a muscle that I really strengthened as a young person that as an older person, I'm like, oh, can I, can we actually like loosen that muscle a little bit? Mm. Um, and I'm specifically thinking about my expectations And how sometimes my expectations or my resistance towards acceptance keep me from being present. And so I'm really trying to compost that gap between like the world as it is and my expectation for how the world should be. Yeah. So it sounds like those expectations and the acceptance kind of keep that perfectionism muscle like a little tighter than maybe you want it to be. Yeah, because sometimes when I'm met with the situation that, you know, like if someone cancels and I was really looking forward to seeing them, I notice in myself a reaction of like, that's not what's supposed to happen. When in reality, mm. it's just like, actually, there is no supposed to. This is yeah. just life and it's happening. Yeah, this is this is happening right now, that acceptance. That's really important. It's also why you need slumber parties to, <laughs> you know... 
Absolutely. <laughs> Slumber parties are key here. Yes. Um, and yeah, ultimately, I know that I am committed to this sort of like deeply reflective form of composting of like looking at myself and being like, actually, I want to shift this behavior of mine because I'm really devoted to experiencing life as it is in this present moment. And I think there's so many gifts for that. Um, and kind of related to that, I have a story to share. Do you want to hear it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Please. Stories are like number one slumber party activity. Okay. 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 <laughs> Let's just take a deep breath. So this story was told to me actually through a podcast by someone I call White Lady Tara. <laughs> and I'm in fact referring to Tara Brock, who's an incredible Buddhist teacher, mm-hmm. and her work has brought so much relief to like hundreds of people. And yet she is a white person, and these are teachings from people of color, and I like to hold that playfully by calling her White Lady Tara, while also having a lot of reverence for her. Um, but this is the story of the Golden Buddha, and this story goes that um, there was this monastery um, and this is not a story set long ago. Okay. This is a present day story. And so there is this monastery and they had a clay Buddha, like an ancient clay Buddha. This Buddha had been around since as long as mon- monastery had been open. So hundreds of years and the monks love their clay Buddha. They like adored it. They fawned over it. They showed it to everyone. That was their clay Buddha. One day, one very particularly hot day and unexpectedly dry, the clay Buddha began to crack. And all the monks were a little freaked out. They were like, oh, no, our beloved clay Buddha is cracking. And so I don't know if you know this, but actually a lot of Buddhist statues are hollow and like people have Mm. x-rayed them. Um, And inside you'll find scrolls of the teachings like like a monk likely sat in deep meditation and rewrote the dharma of buddha's teachings and that is what is in the core of the buddha because in buddhism it is not about the image or the object of the buddha but the magic and the awareness and the power of the teachings that is so sacred so most buddhist statues like that are hollow and inside are the teachings so the head monk got like a little flashlight and he got close he was like you know, flashing it into the Buddha statue to just see what was going on, to see if he could patch it. And to his shock and delight and surprise, gold flashed back at him. And it turns out that this clay Buddha statue was actually a solid gold Buddha. And the monks went back through the records and they somehow realized that over a hundred years ago, there were invaders coming towards the monastery and the monks got word of that. And so they covered this golden Buddha, this solid gold Buddha. They covered it in clay to keep it from being stolen. And nobody knew for like over a hundred years, everyone was just like, oh, that's our clay Buddha. But mm. it turns out it was actually a solid golden Buddha. Isn't that amazing? That is super wild. That is really wild. And I feel like it's funny. You were talking about expectations before. It just 
totally dashed their expectations, it sounds like. And I don't know. I mean, there's so much, so much gold, literally and figuratively in that story, because yeah, it just makes me think about the power of community to protect what is so important to them. Yes. And it is a parable. I, I like to believe it's a real story, but I truthfully don't know. But like, I think that story is of course an allegory. And I think a part of what it's talking about is we all have some clay. We all have these defense mechanisms, but inside we are golden Buddhas. And if we can always remember the golden Buddhas and other people, even when we're in difficult moments, like conflicts with them and stuff, um, it can be very powerful. And like you're saying, there's something so beautiful about the Buddha being a part of this community. I love reflecting on how the monks love the clay Buddha. They don't need to see the golden Buddha to love the Buddha, you know? Yeah. I mean, it goes back to what you were saying before with acceptance, right? They accepted it as is, even though they thought that it was probably hollow, full of the wisdom of the scrolls, yet it was full of the wisdom of this gold, this solid gold. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Um, you know, in psychology and Western therapy modalities, um, there is this concept of the false self. There is this idea that if your family or anyone in like, particularly your caregivers, when you were a young child um, and even through adolescence, if they expected you to contribute in order to sustain the family, like you had to listen and validate their emotions or if you had to um like if they couldn't just hold you honestly mm-hmm. if you had to do any labor in order to get your own needs met they say that your true self would recede and a false self would emerge almost mm-hmm. like to protect you this maybe is freudian so take it with a grain of salt right <laughs> but like that concept when i heard it was always really resonant to me that in order to protect our golden inner Buddha, um, a false self would emerge. Mm-hmm. And I always love thinking, and this concept is just so beautiful to me, like the emergence of the true self. Mm-hmm. And what conditions do we have to create for that true self to emerge? Yeah. Um, when you said conditions, I automatically thought about how like the clay cracked because there were some conditions that caused that to happen. And people were able to see that true self of that Buddha. But at the same time, it's really interesting. Um, I'm thinking about the binary of true versus false, right? Mm. And what that means for acceptance, that Mm. relationship between all of that. And I totally get what you're saying with that false self, but I always kind of wonder, um, you know, for myself, I'm divorced and even though the relationship was not healthy and there were many moments in the relationship where I've I've often thought like, Oh, I could have, I could have left then I could have left earlier. Mm. I still don't regret any of it, even though I compromised myself constantly in the relationship. And the reason I don't regret it is because I'm like, well, that was part of my journey. You know, like that was my quote unquote true self who was covered, (laughs) covered with clay, I guess. Right covered with this clay that was maybe of my own doing, maybe of the patriarchy's doing, maybe cultural doing. Um, Maybe it was a way that I was protecting myself. Um, Actually, recently, one of my teachers, Luis Mojica, said that um, people-pleasing or fawning 
is actually a way that we protect ourselves because we cannot handle the dysregulation of the other person. Whoa. Yeah, that blew my mind. And I'm just thinking about that clay and how it's like we need to put this on because these invaders are coming, you know? Yeah, a lot, a lot of things right there. But yeah, it just made me think about that binary and how it makes sense. And I think that there's always more depth to it. Absolutely. And I love that you named the binary of true self, false self, and just holding that like in any relationship, it's often not so simple. And that's what can make mm. it so confusing um, is that someone may bring out our true self. And in that, it might actually cause like we may have a moment of showing our gold to someone and even that act mm. might be so overwhelming that our false self comes out the next Ooh. day. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It actually kind of reminds me that when I was first told this story, this story found me when I was going through like a meltdown. And one of my teachers, Kenneth Hover, who's like a meditation teacher, um, he always says this thing about when he meets, because he's someone who does one-on-one energy work with people, he'll meet people and they will be going through it. They'll be like, this is the worst time. My <laughs> life's falling apart. And he'll say that when he taps into their soul or different aspects of their being, he'll get the message of like, finally, we're growing, mm. you know, <laughs> just to hold that, that like, sometimes the things we're resisting the most are like what have to happen in order for us to heal But yeah, I found this story when I was going through an awful breakup. Mm. And I think it like, I mean, the story is so rich for metaphor because it's like, wow, is like the Buddha a part of this family system? And then you see the invaders Mm. as outside trauma. Whatever the case may be for myself in this relationship, I I went through this breakup. Um. And the reason I broke up with this person who this person was the first person I felt like, I mean, I had fallen in love before, but there was a quality of this love that was like nothing I had ever experienced before. Mm. And it speaks to the impermanence and beauty of life because I look back on this breakup and I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I broke up with that person. They were never going to meet my needs. Um, And also... I have never experienced a love like that again, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not to say I haven't had deeply loving relationships. I have, but just to hold the specificity um, and the uniqueness of these relationships. When I was going through this breakup, I think I was just, you know, in Buddhism, sometimes they talk about the level of pain we feel drives us to stop the pain where we'll, we'll do anything. And they say, we're willing to like, lick honey off the edge of a razor. Um, And I love that because it really captures to Mm. me the moments when I am just trying to self-soothe and I'm just seeking out anything that will make me feel better. I'm like, wow, I'm really licking the razor right now. Um, I am lucky enough that in this moment of breaking up, I turned towards Dharma talks and Buddhism because it was actually very nourishing. Um, And what is so... heartbreaking, tragic, insightful to me is that in this breakup, I thought I was expressing myself. I thought I was expressing my anger and I was doing something healthy. And later I realized that I was actually lashing out to this person. 
Um, Mm. And the guilt of that lashing out and the shame of having like lashed out at someone and being able to see those behaviors as harmful, that shame was so uncomfortable. What I appreciated about this story is that it helped remind me that me and this other person are actually like really beautiful and divine, you know? Yeah. And that like each of us probably did hurt the other because we all have clay and there's no judgment on what that clay is. And sometimes like we can call it clay or we can call it armor. And sometimes that armor is like really helpful and it's what's needed in the moment. So listening to the story helped me release some of my shame for the ways that when I felt harmed by this person, um, how my clay showed up in response, right? But I think I'm what I'm also pulling out that you're kind of saying too is like, sometimes when we're in relationship, we show our gold and then we show our clay and then we're gold again. We cycle through. Mm. It's not like we're ever fully unarmed or armored, you know? Yeah. First of all, white lady Tara came through and I'm Thank loving God. that. <laughs> sometimes we need a white lady Tara to help us through things. Um Yeah, and I love that you just said cycles right now because it makes me actually look at those, the true, false, the good, bad, all these binaries, and it just makes it feel so much more of like, I like to think of things like being on a sphere where there's no like right or wrong place, right? It's just the place you're at. Um, Something I'm actually going to share that I have not yet shared out loud is that I feel like I'm truly at a place where I have found so much forgiveness for my ex-husband. Wow. Yeah. And it's almost like when I realized that just like a a week or two ago, I almost wanted to fight it because I'm like, no, I should be angry. And I'm like, oh, well, forgiving someone doesn't mean I can't have anger, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I have to have specific feelings. It just means to me, it means that I'm, I'm, I'm whole without that person. I have healed and so much has happened and I found that place where I can just be a human and he could just be a human. We're living our own lives and that's like enough. That's enough. And um, I think I'm hearing this like acceptance and this like we're both hurt people. We both had clay. And realizing that during those hard times, you know, the enoughness was there, but maybe it was just hard for us to accept because we just wanted more or we had different expectations. Yeah. That is so beautiful. Um, one of my favorite Buddhist teachers uh, who studied under Thich Nhat Hanh talks about how this person, this monk's name is Duck Tien. And he spoke to me about how when we hold anger, it's like a coal burning in our heart. Mm. Um, and I've heard people say things like that before, but somehow when I'm talking to someone who is devoted to Buddhism and is meditating hours a day, it hits differently. So... I think I'm just happy for you that you're releasing some of that that burning feeling from your heart. Yeah. In Buddhism, they always say they also say like the anger or the experience is the punishment, um, which mm. I think is a beautiful sentiment because sometimes when we've been harmed by someone, we get so fixated on like, well, how will they know my pain? How will they experience pain? How will they be punished? Even if we have values that let lean towards abolition, we still sometimes sure. are like, um, and it, I always come back to that, that sometimes just the experience of anger is the punishment. Um, so I'm mm. so happy for you. I'm so very 
happy for you. And I, I'm also holding that, like, mm, I'm holding that, like, I'm also going through um, a breakup right now. And there's, I don't know if I feel, I feel called to say this just in case anyone in the audience has a big heart like mine, <laughs> where sometimes I'm like, oh, we're, we're, everyone's a human. Maybe we can hold space for each other. But just wanting to remind everyone that like, um, we get to, we get to choose relationships that allow us to be in our gold, you know, and it is mm. true that we bring the clay out in each other. Um, and it's also true that life is unpredictable, sometimes full of crisis. And it's important that we choose people to stay in our life that can be safe with us and help us remember our gold, even when we're in tough moments. Because sometimes I've noticed as I go deeper into transformative justice, deeper as a conflict mediator, sometimes it can be difficult for me in relationships that I'm very attached to, mm -hmm. to discern, is this a safe and healthy relationship? Should I keep holding on to this person's humanity? And it's like, yes, hold on to the humanity and ask yourself, is this safe and healthy? Yeah. Um, I kind of took us down a PSA, but <laughs> I love it. It felt really important to say because we're talking about some big concepts here. But I want to ask you a question, Nisha. Ooh, please do. Okay, so I have just shown you a little piece of my history. You know, I've kind of let you into the shit in my closet, one could say. <laughs> I've introduced an earthworm yes. into my composting, mm -hmm. like, tales of my broken heart, you know? And what I'm wondering is, what are you composting? What are you chewing on? What are you taking away from what we talked about today? Ooh, man. I feel like we just went on the ultimate earthworm journey. And it's so funny when you just said PSA. What I just visualized was the earthworm being in the soil and then just sticking its head up <laughs> to be like, hey, y'all, this is what's happening. And <clears throat> I'm not necessarily saying that that's what I'm taking away, but I feel like that's just like a beautiful, another beautiful example of that community care of being like, you know, mm. everyone, here's what's up. So, <laughs> and I really just, I just love that thinking about that thinking about who is safe with us, thinking about, you know, being clay and gold at the same time. I'm just like visualizing that like beautiful juxtaposition of the clay and gold, like on a face, like almost like iridescent. Um, so yeah, I feel like I'm just taking away that important community care and easy. I'm also really thinking I might do a clay mask tonight. Wow. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I feel like I need some hardening to just remember how soft I am. Oh, I think that was cute. That was very cute. Softness yes. is truly something I'm striving towards. I think if I were to reflect the question I asked you yeah. onto myself, what's coming through is actually another question, which is like, <laughs> how can I live for my gold? Ooh. <laughs> and I definitely think I need a clay mask to get there. <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean... This is my um, metal nerdery. My mom is like really into jewelry, but gold is a very soft metal actually. And it requires alloys yeah. to get, to get harder. Right. That's why 24 karat gold is actually quite soft. And that's why you usually don't buy it. You usually get a, a lower carat so that it's harder and, you know, isn't too malleable for jewelry. And so I really wow. think this is like super 
relevant, like the clay feeling our softness because gold is actually a soft metal. That is really beautiful. I think that like, you know, so much of what we talked about today is around like heartbreak, holding perspective, finding compassion for people, even as we've seen sides of them that might be really painful to us, may have caused us harm. Um, But like choosing our softness over and over again. Even after we sometimes have to put on that armor, it's like the commitment to taking it off. Yeah, and knowing that both are there for good reasons. Beautiful. So reasons. true. Yeah. They're they're kind of neutral. That is what I love about the story, is that like mm. the clay is neutral. It's just clay. I feel like I had so much shame and guilt around people telling me that like I'm a people pleaser or I'm like a mm. martyr. And it's like, you know, it's just some clay. Sure. Did I learn manipulation as a tactic when I was a child? Yes. <laughs> but I don't have to let that define me. Yeah, we all got our shit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we all got a shit and we all got our shit. So let's be, let's be real and just take it all in. <laughs> and I guess with that, we'll see you in the shit pile. See y'all in the shit pile. Goodbye, lovely, lovely earthworms. Thank you all for listening. We really want to know what you think about Earthworm Slumber Party. So send us an email at earthwormslumberparty at gmail.com. You can also watch full episodes of this podcast on YouTube. So find us there. We also have ways to work with us. Nisha is throwing free parties in Nisha land. If you want to get down with Nisha, join her notes from Nisha land newsletter community to get the info. And Opulence has a free gift for you, a beautiful and magical care plan creation guide that you can find on their Substack. And if you want to find us on Instagram, I'm at Healing Hype Girl and Opulence is at Opulence Abundance. We have a serious ask for you all. Okay, listen up. If you love Earthworm Slumber Party, if this podcast has changed your life and you want to see the show continue and to continue to hear our stories, then we need your support. You can go to ko-fi.com slash Earthworm Slumber Party. Again, that's ko-fi.com slash Earthworm Slumber Party. You can go there, learn a little about the show and make a one-time or recurring donation. This donation will actually unlock a special episode. Your support makes this show possible and all of this info is in our show notes. Earthworm Slumber Party is hosted by Opulence Abundance and Nisha Modi, edited and scored by Adrian Garbar and produced by Dahlia Gihan.